I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. I have always felt like if there's nothing else you think of on a daily basis, it's how do you put your CEO hat on? I don't care if you're in an entry level role, but you are the CEO of your world. And A CEO is not operating on a day-to-day basis based on a list of accountabilities on a sheet of paper. It's their job to deal with whatever comes their way and also sort of look for what are we not thinking about and where do we need to go? And it, you know, one of the things that I think led to where I am today, because this was not by design, me being in this role, this, this like a path just organically formed was just doing that outside of my day-to-day job and responsibilities and accountabilities. What did I see in the business that needed to be solved? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Marketing Vanguard podcast. I'm Jenny Rooney. I'm the Chief Experience Officer here at Adweek. And I am so excited to be joined today uh, by Angela Voss. She's the CEO at Marketing Architects. Angela, welcome. Thanks, Jenny. Excited to be here. It's so great to have you here. Um, You know, I would love for you to just start by talking a little bit about um, you, right? I mean, we're going to talk about the company in a minute, um, Mm -hmm. but what I like to ask people about is really sort of who they are, what their backgrounds are, where where they've been in their careers. Um, And I think that's just really a great starting point. So just bring us up to speed a little bit about about yourself and and sort of how you got to the role. Happy to. I will say that I'm much more comfortable talking about the company than I am about myself, but I'm going to give it my best. (laughs) Aren't we all? Yes, exactly. Um, Yeah, so I grew up in Minnesota, um, born and raised, have been here all my life with the exception of four years that I spent in Fargo, North Dakota, North Dakota State. Um, I majored in mass communications with an emphasis in broadcast media with the intent of becoming a newscaster somewhere in the U.S. And shortly after college, realized that I didn't really want to do that. Um, I was going to need to kind of hop all over the U.S. in order to get back to the Minneapolis market, which isn't, you know, New York or L.A. from a DMA size perspective, but it's a fairly large market and was going to need some experience there. I'm really close to my family. And so I was like, oh. I don't really know if I want to be hopping all over the U.S. to build that experience. And so I ended up uh, working in digital marketing for the first four years out of college with a company at the time called Internet Broadcasting. They later rebranded, but really they were responsible for building out digital campaigns and digital websites uh, for 
the likes of news outlets like a WCCO.com, a WABC.com. They had, uh, and then additionally, one of the most exciting things I think that we worked on was the official Olympic site for the NBC Olympics. So uh, worked there for four years. I ended up meeting my husband there and we were working not on the same team, but in close enough proximity that we decided collectively that one of us should probably part if we want to <laughs> have a healthy and, and long marriage. We were commuting <laughs> together, which was a long drive. And um, and that is what brought me to Marketing Architects. Originally started in an entry-level position managing radio relationships. We were only radio at the time. Since then, we've launched television. We're now only television, both linear and streaming, and have played a variety of roles in the 17 or so years that I've been here um, on the media side for close to seven to eight years, uh, helped build out our television platform and then came over to the client side of the business and managed our client services, client growth team, uh, for several years and just recently took over the role that I'm in now. So it's been a wild journey. Um, I really love what I do or I wouldn't have been here this long. Amazing people, love the marketing world, the challenge. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's been a great ride. That's, that sounds like it. Um, tell me about marketing architects as if I were, you know, a 12 year old, because sure. I just feel like, um, a lot of the, the, the nuance and uniqueness of what you do. Um, I don't want that to get lost, right? Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, it is, this industry is, is, is evolving so, so dramatically. And so, you know, being able to really clearly articulate kind of the, where, the space that you fit in, um, in a truly um, powerful way for marketers is, is so key. So um, yeah. t tell me a little bit about the company. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think um, just starting with how people, consumers, marketers think about television, it's a big, big stage, right? It's um, one of the biggest moves that you could possibly make from a marketing standpoint is, is to put your brand on television. And um, mm -hmm. it's not only big from an emotionally charged standpoint, but typically comes with a big investment. Um, it's thought of as very often, I think, thought of as a minimum of a million dollar venture by the time you understand the strategy that you need to you know, put into that creative message, produce creative, uh, television of course can be expensive. And so, you know, we were operating only in the radio space, uh, for many, many years, we were sort of the pioneers of direct response radio. We were founded by a statistician by trade. We were just maniacal about performance measurement and response tracking and conversion theory and technology. And, uh, when we decided to move into television, we just felt like, gosh, this space has a lot of opportunity, and yet a lot of brands never um, even try, you know, never even test television because of that cost investment that um, is often prohibitive. And so we launched what we now call all-inclusive television, which essentially means that our clients only pay for their media investment, and we cover all of the other costs to creative production, um, understanding that consumer strategy and the research, all the analytics, a lot of conversion tech along the way that we have found over the years to be absolutely necessary to driving success for brands. Um, and so it's a very different model and often removes that cost barrier, given the fact that our it's our capital investment that goes into, you know, the vast majority of the launch. And so 
and creates these great partnerships and alignment with with our with our client partners because we really do have kind of skin in the game and we're in it together really trying to make television work uh, through that initial pilot trying to drive success all along the way you know trying to optimize creative messaging media plans um, etc to ultimately drive that success rate and and ultimately transformational growth for the brands that we're working for now but obviously when you use the word TV that can mean so many different things these days. Yes. So yes. How do you bring, you know, how do you bridge sort of the variability with with what's consistent in that definition? Yeah, so we really focus on what you think of as your TV, like screen on the wall in the living room. Um, and that will, you know, evolve and shift and change. We worked solely in linear, of course, for many years. And then we had this explosion of the the streaming world and, and connected television and have absolutely been, you know, sight set on making that a meaningful piece of our business as well. Um, and so really we're just working in those two spaces right now, linear screen on the wall and then connected television screen on the wall. And bringing those together, I would imagine mm-hmm. as well. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And understanding, right? Like what, uh, where is the greatest cost advantage to getting in front of whomever we're trying to get in front of? And what does that incremental reach look like in the streaming space based on, a demographic that's younger or older, um, what, what ultimately are we looking for those channels to do? Be it, you know, we're, we're trying to drive new customer acquisition at uh, an agreed upon KPI. We're trying to extend reach. We're trying to raise awareness. You know, each campaign is unique and different, but ultimately all of them have some tie to lifting sales. And so it's our yeah. job to understand those two uh, universes and ensure that we've got plans in place to effectively reach uh, those those core consumers and drive sales to our client. What's the single biggest thing you said you've been at this company for seventeen years now, correct? And you've obviously you been it. in industry for de- decades. But talk a little bit about what's been the single biggest um, takeaway, a surprising fact, or thing you've noticed specifically when it comes to um, consumer consumption of TV. Uh, what's the thing that keeps you up at night in that regard? You know, how, what are you seeing from Gen Z versus Gen X versus everybody in between millennials? Mm-hmm. Where, where, from a consumer insights standpoint, what has been most striking that you've witnessed? And by the way, I'm going way off script here, so I'm putting you on the spot, but I just I feel like from your vantage point, you've witnessed firsthand just so much change in in consumer, um, you know, adoption, engagement likes, dislikes, everything else? It's a great question. Um, you know, when I think about consumers and I think about, right, it's our, it's first and foremost, before we ever get into where do these consumers consume television? Is it streaming? Is it linear? Is it ESPN? Is it e-network? Is to really understand, um, you know, core targets of who might be interested in, in buying this product and, um, who might be influencers to that buying. If we think about consumer behavior, my own buying behavior as a consumer, um, I'm definitely influenced by those that are around me. And I think this ties a bit to the growth of digital. And we as marketers have gotten so good at thinking about who our core consumers are and, and trying to 
put plans in place to get in front of you, Jenny, me, Angela, um, without any waste. And so when we think about operating in a space like linear television, which has been non-digital, it's linear, um, you know, marketers often go like, oh my gosh, how could I how could I ever make that work? I'm just going to have so much waste. But a lot of the research that we have done from a consumer standpoint um, has led us to this idea that your bullseye target is absolutely, you know, the first and foremost uh, group of individuals that you should be going after, but that we also need to care about secondary and tertiary influencers of behavior. My husband, my mom, my, my yeah. kids certainly are <laughs> influencers in my life in terms of, of what I buy. And, um, it's, it's a little bit of a different mindset that you, that you have in the digital environment. And very often digital marketers are growing their digital presence as much as they possibly can. And when they start to feel tapped out, they need to look to new channels. And often those are top of funnel channels like television. And so there's a little bit of a reset that needs to happen just with that insight of consumer behavior about, um, how broad we should be thinking about putting our message out there to the world and what could potentially be profitable. Um, of course, all of that needs to come at the right cost. We like to say, you know, as a reminder, everything works at zero and it's not that we're getting free television, but, um, there definitely are ways to, uh, increase efficiencies in terms of uh, media placement. And it's our job to try to make as many people care about your brand as possible. So yeah. uh, can you that, share, that, can you share any client examples? Uh, you know, can you provide for, for me any case studies of, you know, a, a brand that's actually come in and you've done X, Y, Z, and this is what it's yielded for them. Yeah, I can. Um, one of the, one of our favorite stories is uh, a brand called nuts.com. They actually came to us during the pandemic, right at the start of the pandemic. They had never been on television, have been um, uh, in business for a hundred years. I mean, this is, this was not a new brand. And of course, at a time during the pandemic where none of us wanted to grocery shop, I mean, I was washing my groceries, as I'm sure a lot of people were for several weeks to months, um, and anything that could be delivered to our home. And so it was like, oh, they had this opportunity in time. Uh, television viewership was skyrocketing. You know, could they use television to drive new growth for their business? And uh, initially had come with uh, a consumer understanding in terms of their target being focused a little more on women 35 plus, um, a lot of baking uh, and pantry needs was was co- sort of the primary message target. And, and of course, we went out with that, uh, got them on air really quickly. I think we launched their campaign in, in 10 days or less, it might've been eight or nine. We were quick to launch in television, including creative production. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And is that, is that typical by the way? A 10 day launch. Yeah. No, no uh, you're always going to come up against examples where something like that might make sense, but no, it's, it's not super typical. Uh, we just being independently held and, uh, you know, a more niche kind of agency, we can move really fast and that gives us a competitive advantage. So in the case where it makes sense, we'll do it. But, uh, timelines are generally a little longer than that, but back to nuts.com, you know, one of the things that we really 
were excited about was this opportunity to expand their target audience, right? We're going into linear. So yes, absolutely. The baker at home might be a primary target for this brand, but also they had, I mean, you honestly have to check them out. The The snacking options that they have, um, mm. half pop popcorn and trail mix and dried fruit and just like so many amazing products, fresh roasted right at their location. And we're like, geez, it feels like there's a snacking opportunity here with maybe a different target set than what we had originally went out with. And it's those types of opportunities that get us excited. Um, ultimately they ended up having an amazing year, I think grew new customer acquisition by something like 160%. Um, and ultimately have, have been a a great long-term client for us. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Mm -hmm. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So I'm going to go back to you for a minute here. Um, and thank you so much for all that uh, great information about the company itself and, and, and what you're leading. But like, tell me a little bit about you and, you know, in the Marketing Vanguard podcast, one of the things we like to do is dissect the individual decisions and choices that you make as a leader that really uh, change the trajectory of your business or, or create a real inflection point for your company in terms of business growth. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell me about a time when you know you had a choice to make and you chose option A over B and what that has created for you? Yeah. You know, I... Um there are a variety of stories that come to mind. Um, one of them I would say is actually goes all the way back to my college days. Um, and when I graduated high school, I was, I played basketball all my life. Um, and ever since second grade and ended up being a collegiate athlete, I was a single sport wow. kid. Yep. Um, and it was my dream as a girl to, to play basketball in college. Um, I ended up committing to become a bison for North Dakota state and played all four years. And, and that was an amazing experience, amazing coaches, amazing teammates. Fargo's in a, a great community. They're, they're very committed to the bison basketball program. Um, so the, the gyms were packed at every game. It was just like super fun and foundational, I would say for me in a lot of ways, um, as I graduated college and entered the business world. And, uh, and that was a decision. Like, I mean, I, I definitely loved basketball. Um, I had also played it since I was in second grade, you know, and, and jumping into NDSU at the time was D2, they're D1 now. So they transitioned just after I had graduated college. But I knew that that commitment was uh, absolutely a big one. You know, they had, 
they had five national championships when I joined. We actually ended up playing in the national championship my sophomore year, but we lost in overtime. (laughs) So we don't have that. But I mean, when I just think about the decisions that have been made, um, you know, decisions you make or decisions you don't make, you can look at it either way. Uh, There was so much dedication, hard work and commitment that went into those four years. And honestly, times many times were, I didn't think I was going to make it, you know, it was, you carry that through in your role now. Absolutely. I mean, I just, um, my mom was a, a, a tough grit woman without question. Um, and tough love, right? That's what we like to say. It was tough love. And she was also very like endearing and caring. Um, but she over and over would tell me, you know, you can do this. And sometimes it would get a little tougher and go like, we're not going to die. Okay. I know this is hard, (laughs) but we're not going to die. Now I say that to my kids, my husband, and I don't know if it lands the same. They're like, that is not like, that doesn't help. I don't know what you're (laughs) like. Things can be really bad and not have you die. But Um, that has been instrumental for me as, especially getting into, you know, the roles that I've carried in the last couple of years and the responsibility that you, you carry with you as a leader of an organization, the people, our work, our clients, it's just like, it's when you're, I think a type A person like I am, um, it's easy to let everything kind of ride on your shoulders and to carry that pressure. And without having gone through some of those experiences, I don't know that I would be where I am. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. There's so many things that, that we do in our lives that inform um, obviously how we, you know, what we carry through, you know, as, as contributors in our companies, mm-hmm. but obviously certainly as leaders as well. It's interesting. You said you were a, um, basketball player, because I do ask the question of, um, you know, if you liken um, your company leadership to the metaphor of, you know, being a player on a soccer team, um, and I use that analogy, you know, are you, are you at the front trying to score the goals? Are you at the midfield trying to kind of hold, hold the ball between um, defense and and front line? Or are you at the defense sort of protecting the goal at all costs? Um, Or are you on the sidelines coaching? I mean, I've, I've, you know, there is a model there that I think is very interesting. I know what my answer would be, but how do you answer that, especially since you actually were a a true athlete? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, our roles in on the, on the court and basketball are definitely a little different, um, than, than soccer. And I'd be lying if I didn't have to do a little bit of research on the front field versus the backfield <laughs> to answer this question <laughs> of really. <laughs> yes. But I, after my appropriate research, I would say that, um, I'm probably that central midfielder, you know, I, I really, I can be in the front. I can be, I can be everywhere on the field and, um, follow that play and, and position myself where I might be most useful. You know, it's, I think that that central midfielder is responsible for sort of dictating, right. The speed and the, in the play and the tempo of the game. And, um, I have, whether it's from basketball, I don't know, but I definitely think that, 
throughout my life, uh, I've enjoyed being that person that I, I don't need to be on the stage, but what are we doing? When do we pull back? When are we increasing tempo and speed? When is it time for intensity? When is it time to reflect? Um, and so that that's probably where I'd be. Who do you collaborate with best? I mean, you're the CEO. Um, does your company have a CMO, by the way? Uh, we have a VP of marketing, uh, not a cool. CMO, but so how do you uh, think about your, your, I'm, I'm it's interesting because I'm usually asking this question of CMOs and how they collaborate with other C-suite executives, but as CEO, who are your best collaborators? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's another good question. You know, I think that when I think about collaboration, it's, it's all about understanding what you need and when you need it. Right. I, I think we've all been in meetings where we go in with, the best of intent collaboration intent. And it just feels like the meeting swirls and swirls. And I think a lot of that is many different working and thinking styles trying to contribute to a topic, um, possibly not at the right time. And I think that there is a time where you need to build momentum and see the opportunity in an idea. And I think there's a time where you need to find all the reasons why that won't work. Uh, one thing that I've appreciated about marketing architects and I in no way had any role in putting this in place, but we use disc as a framework to understand each other. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard for me to identify, like, is it one or two specific people within the organization? I'm a very strong DI, which in its simplest form sort of means I'm results oriented. I am vocal. I'm enthusiastic. I'm inquisitive. I'm persuasive, um, can be rebellious at times on the negative side, um, intensity, you know, shows through maybe in some cases where it shouldn't, um, and I can get really motivated about an idea that maybe hasn't been vetted enough, but mm. we have people that are really excellent at vetting ideas, you know, but, and maybe they struggle to move things forward. So I really feel like when we think about who are the best collaborators, it's like, well, what are we needing at the time? Because right. I know that I can overwork an idea and get, um, really excited without thinking through all of the elements or all the reasons why we might feel bumps in the road. So then I need, I need my collaborators that are more S and C on the profile, or maybe I just need, I'm like, gosh, I've been thinking about this idea and, um, I'm starting to lose steam on it a little bit. And, you know, I might grab our eyes to help pick me up and, Remind, yeah. remind myself of all the good reasons. So I think, you know, working to the best, the best business decisions is really about um, being willing to look for conflict with people that think differently. Um, and, and, and just doing that. So yeah, love desk one for of that. Things, yeah, no, no, I love that. Uh, what, um, one of the other things I, I like to ask is, you know, um, how do you think about the rising stars on your team, the people who are, or the people who are the heirs apparent, right? They're coming up mm -hmm. through the ranks and they're basically, um, you know, providing you in your role with incredible insight and knowledge um, and expertise that you can carry into your leadership role. Um, you know, at the end of the day, um, mentorship is an exchange, right? It's an mm -hmm. exchange of knowledge and, and perspective. And how do you sort of manifest that at your company and, and sort of how are you thinking about supporting um those within who are seeking to, you know, frankly, aspire to, to your role. Yeah. We have used 
a framework when we look for individuals to hire at the company um, from Patrick Lynchotti, and it's from the ideal team player. So the framework is hungry, humble, smart, and I love it for so many reasons. But hungry is hunger. Obviously, we all know what hunger is in, in a business setting. Um, humility, and then smart is EQ. And, and when I think about those three elements, and when I think about how I like to mentor folks that are growing within the organization and how I felt mentored, you know, I, whether it's because we're, uh, a privately held company and, and don't have a lot of red tape. There's not a lot of bureaucracy to, to how we work. We can get in a room and build a business case and go after something. But I have always felt like if there's nothing else you think of on a daily basis, it's how do you put your CEO hat on? I don't care if you're in an entry level role, but you are the CEO of your world. And a CEO is not um, operating on a day-to-day basis based on a list of accountabilities on a sheet of paper. It's their job to deal with whatever comes their way and also sort of look for what are we not thinking about and where do we need to go? And it, you know, one of the things that I think led to where I am today, cause this was not by design, me being in this role, this, this like a path just organically formed was just doing that outside of my day-to-day job and responsibilities and accountabilities, what did I see in the business that needed to be solved? It might not be directly associated to what I do, but I care for the business, then I care for my team, and then I care for myself. And so if I'm wearing that care operator hat for the business and thinking like a CEO, then I don't see something from afar and go, well, it's not my, you know, that's, that's their thing over there. But, um, you know, I, 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 bring it to light and go, what if we were to think about doing it this way? And that mindset just fosters great thinking because others see it and they go, oh, wow. I, first of all, I didn't realize that I could sort of like jump over the fence and, and ask a question about how we might be working, um, or identifying an opportunity. And, um, it shows that hunger and, um, you know, you have to do that with humility, might not know, you know, if, if that's the right thing to do or not do, but, um, I think it creates a different mindset in, in business and allows us to grow in a lot of ways only to the benefit of the organization. Yeah, absolutely. Um, honestly, this has been amazing, Angela, and I've loved your perspective on all this. And honestly, your, your leadership insights, um, are so powerful. Um, you know, the last question I wanted to just ask of you is, you know, where do you think the industry is headed from here? Again, you have a unique vantage point. You're working with a lot of marketers. You're hearing from them day to day on, you know, what they're challenged by, what they're seeking to accomplish. I think a lot of marketers are struggling with, um, to your point, you know, um, uh, limited budgets and they're trying to make their dollars work harder and, and stronger and go farther. Um, I mean, that's where you sit, right? You're helping to help marketers sort of deal within that construct. But um, as we look to next year, you know, what are you paying most attention to? What do you think marketers are going to get most excited by and, and sort of um, what does the future hold for them? And especially in relation to the business uh, offering that you're providing them with. Yeah. I mean, related to television, we all 
Um, we are those experiencing it, uh, whether you have cut the cord of cable and moved over to streaming, um, that is our world, right. That we're navigating right now. Uh, there has been a ton of growth. It's been emerging growth and there's going to continue to be growth and, and then consolidation. There's fragmentation and consolidation. And this is going to, this is going to likely happen for a while while things sort of settle out. So you've got, uh, you know, folks that would rather not have any ads at all and go the subscription route. And then others that are like, yeah, you know what? A couple ads between, you know, this show and that show is not such a bad thing to save a couple of bucks. You see what's happening with, with Netflix, them trying to roll out at extremely high prices from a CPM standpoint and sort of having to walk back from that a little bit. And this is going to continue to happen for a while while, um, normalcy starts to move into the space, you know, from a maturity standpoint. And I think from a marketing standpoint, um, with brands, we are tasked to continue to look for new ways to grow our business. And people are spending more time with video in general than they ever have. And so, Mm -hmm. yes, there's a shift between linear and streaming. Um, but that's what gets us excited. You know, we are, we have been, from day one focused on contrarian ways of working and disrupting costs for our clients. We did that in linear. Well, actually first we did in radio, then we did it linear. Uh, just next week we are launching our, our, our own DSP that is wildly disrupting costs. There's so much middleman fees, uh, in that space. And I think a lot of misconceptions related to targeting, whether or not you're hitting that consumer that you actually think. And so there's just a lot of opportunity to do that. I think a lot better than has been done in years past and, we're here for it. We're going to continue to ride the train. We're seeing success already, and we think that we're going to continue to see success. So we're excited. Awesome. Angela Voss, thank you so much for joining me. Hope to talk to you again very, very soon. Thanks, Jenny. Thank you for listening to Marketing Vanguard, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Acast Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Jordan Pretano, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGibney at Batwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.